Gaming NBS episode 218 coming to you Wednesday, November 28th, 2018. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, Forks. Forks. Forks, yes, the forks and the spoons. Knives, all of you. Silverwares in. Flatware. Flatware for everybody. Flatware for everybody. Look under your chair. Flatware for you and you. What? Anyway, fuck it. Glad you're here. And <clears throat> this is what happens when I spend 11 days in the in the woods. I come back. I you know, fumble with my mic. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't know what people are anymore. It's crazy. Yes, so welcome knives and spoons and well as well. Correct. And ladles. And ladles, even. Oh, good Lord. How the hell have you been, Sean? I have been fantastic, Brett. Did How you are a- you? Are you uh, Mr. Woodsman? Yeah, I, got, I killed a deer. That was good. Had some good hunting in. Had a oh. great Thanksgiving with the family. How about you? Um, It was low-key, but just the way I like it. Didn't have to travel too far. Yeah. Didn't have to go anywhere really. Yeah, the uh, the hardest part for me, little little bread insight. My mother has uh, she's not yet seventy, but she has early Alzheimer's. It's progressing, mm-hmm. and it's it's a bummer when because mom's a great lady. I mean, she's my mom. She's awesome. She put up with me, right? But anyway, it's it's rough to see her not be able to do certain things or remember what's going on. That's kind of a kicker. But on the uh, plus side, she has a really good attitude about everything. She's like, yeah, oh, well, huh, looks like I forgot that. Doodaloo, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, just kind of keeps going. It's, uh, so she's in the best spirits, I think, possible for it, but it's kind of rough. Yeah. But otherwise, apart from that little bit, it was uh, pretty damn good, nice and relaxing. Nothing stupid happened at work. I got back to the office today. Nothing was on fire. It was pretty nice. So it was good. Do you feel rejuvenated? I do. I absolutely do. We talked about this before, and I think after GameholeCon, I feel better about gaming in general. I just got off a long uh, EverCon playing session. I feel better about how EverCon's going and where things are at there. I'm just, and uh, work seems a lot more tolerable. So sometimes, apparently, going out in the middle of a cedar swamp when it's high of 10 and low of 6 without the wind is actually good for me. It's, it's. I do this for my safety and yours, Sean. <laughs> okay. okay. <clears throat> anyway, let's see. Uh, Announcement-wise, EverCon, speaking of EverCon.org, Evercon. get out there. Um, your weekend badge is still 35 bucks if you pre-reg. Uh, we need people to pre-register. Not only makes things go a hell of a lot faster, saves you some cash. You can get in, um, re- register for games. We've got like 115 games already in the books. we got more popping in. So some pretty good stuff. Got some good tournaments, chess tournaments, Pokemon, Magic Gathering tournaments. Got a group of guys that always bring retro video games, Nintendo, uh, Sega Genesis. It's a lot of fun. They do that just for kicks. They We fill a room full of old TVs, and they have a really good time. That's there. The last up LARP team will be there. It's a damn good time. So hopefully people will come and join us. <sighs> Excuse me. Oh, my Avalon Kickstarter. Do do do. Back on track. We're uh, not back on track. Never left track. We're still looking at a mid-December uh, kickoff. I have uh, Phil Vecchione and Chris Nizek of Misdirected Mark and Encoded Designs fame, and I had a little email discussion earlier today, um, which is uh, Monday the twenty-sixth, 
that we're going to meet later on this week and just make sure things are still tracking and cracking. So I'm pretty pleased with where we're at. Uh, we've got some art stuff happening. We've got some logo work happening. Rewrites pretty much as they stand right now. I think all my action items are done. So, yeah, I'm getting excited. Still nervous as all hell, but, yeah, excited. It's pretty good. Any announcements from you, Sean? Anything cool? No. You don't want to talk about the crap you're doing to Patreon or what you're changing there or any of oh, that stuff? Oh, I guess I could mention that. Um, so, oh, so I, I should. Fa- I, I found out through the email blast I got. Did you? Are you on that email list? Yes, uh, yes, I am. Oh, that's good. Uh, so, <laughs> December, oh, I have no idea what Sean was doing. Yeah, December, we're gonna change the Patreon from uh, per episode to monthly. So it may. So look for that change, and then I don't know how that's communicated to you, Patreon, um, on whether you will need to update yours or if it'll just carry over to the next month at. Whatever pledge level, I'm not quite sure. You may just have to repledge. So next month, we may not make a dime, Brett. I'm at peace with that, Sean. Okay, me too. Um, it'll hit the bottom line, but I think we'll be okay. Um, so if you have been reluctant to pledge because it's too much money, um, well, now you can pledge at a much lower dollar amount per month. Where it used to be four, it'll be now as low as a dollar a month. So... Um, and if you can't, that's okay. If you want to support the show and just tell people about us, that's great. Another one that you can actually do is sign up on our email list. So building up an email list, we're not going to spam you every day. <laughs> maybe. Every other day. Every other day. Maybe. Just on days that end with Y. Yeah. Teehee. Teehee. Um, if you go to gamingnbs.com, right on the front of the website, there'll be a just a sign up. Um you just put in your email and your first name. I think it's a double opt-in, which means that you'll get an email to confirm that you signed up. And then, uh, you know, it's going to be pretty much just text email. It's not going to be HTML, fancy stuff with a bunch of logos and crappy formatting. It's We will – what it will be used for is any special – announcements that maybe our social media and our website are all down. And the only way to communicate with you to let you know what's going on is through our email. We control it. We have it. That's one thing. Google plus Facebook, all those things can go bye-bye. But if we have your, your email, then we can send you something directly, let you know what's going on. Uh, if we have some special offer, we want to get to you or somebody, a partner of ours wants to offer um, a special of some kind to you, we would certainly pass that along. Uh, upcoming topics uh, that we want to maybe talk about or put out ahead of time and let you know about that. Um, some people don't aren't on Google Plus. Some people don't like Facebook. Some people don't like Twitter. And only maybe they just like email. So be be uh, you can always unsubscribe and resubscribe. So. You could do it twice in the same day. We don't care. That's not, right. We will not judge. Nope. So Brett might, you know, use it to put out an update for Avalon or whatever. Whatever we want to put out there. It's not going to be huge in length. It's something pretty brief and, you know, yeah. And if you don't – so the people that are on the email list, if you don't know if you are or you're not, if you are a have been a Patreon or a current Patreon, I think the, the past ones have been gone bye-bye. But if you're a current Patreon as of this recording – um, you should have received an email on November 23rd. That's right. Um, and if you have 
uh, completed a listener survey where we asked for your email and you were willing to give that to us, then you're probably on there as well. Um, I think that's pretty much about the only places we've gotten your email from. We haven't, we're in the midst of hacking LinkedIn. Uh, they had a breach, so we're going to see if we can go on the dark web and maybe pull your email that way. <laughs> we'll see. Cool. All right. Yeah, that's it. All right. I think we ought to rant. This is a oh, fair warning. This is going to be a long episode, folks. We've got a lot of decent random encounter stuff here. We got the topic itself. So, um, so excitement because it's longer. Yes. Yeah. God. I'm just saying. No, what I'm telling people is buckle in, get yeah. that extra cup of coffee, That's get right. a beer, yeah. lay back, put the no disturb sign on the door. Take and, the long way to work. Exactly. And just enjoy the ride. That's right. Sit Hey, sit back. Enjoy the ride. There we go. Let's rock, man. That's right. All right. Random encounter. This is the segment of the show where we uh, field voicemails, emails, comments from social media, smoke screens, smoke signals, not screens. No, screens are difficult to respond to. That's right. Can't see them. Do you want to start, Brett, or shall I? No, you can. First one, Michael Drescher emails about uh, us on episode 217, which is the prior episode to this, which covered Gaming with the Children's. I am one of those seminars, shop, hangout, con goers, he says. I like to run fate at cons, but I'm absolutely scared to death to run for kids. I tend to make the age group 18 plus simply to cover my ass when I curse or more. Adult situation like cults or getting a date with Lolth as a bar bet, an actual party created plot at least last year's game hole con, or anything else I haven't thought of yet uh, comes up. Ironically, I inform the group up front why the game is 18 plus and use X and X card. They informed me that in fact didn't curse once or get graphic. <laughs> Nothing wrong with playing it safe. Nope. They gave me a PG 13 rating. The bar bet game did have the infamous problem player who got X carded several times for getting graphic with the priestess. And he wasn't even the one who was, uh, was involved in the bet. Um, that he couldn't get a date with Lolf. He was 16, and I know that not all 16-year-olds uh, are immature, but it has bolstered my lack of interest in running for kids. So my reasons for not running for kids is their maturity level. I don't trust myself to not curse and not trusting myself to teach them the rules and mechanics, which may just come down to a lack of experience on my part. Great show as always. May your sword stay sharp and your wits stay sharper. Mr. Drescher. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, you know, Michael, I'll tell you, man. Anybody else out there? If if you read that, go, yeah, I just I don't want to do that. It just seems like I don't. It does not make you a lesser game master, a lesser player, or anything. If you have a group of people, an age group, uh, they're like, look, I don't want to play with this age group, um, at a con, especially in your home group. You can say, look, I don't want to play with the kids. I'm just playing with the adults. Hey, can I bring my my eight year old to play? No, it's just for us and your wife. I really don't want all the kids there. Why? Why are we? You know. I think age group, um, it's not always because I want to get vulgar or where sex comes up or whatever, or drug use, whatever bizarre thing you're doing at the game or whatnot. It's just sometimes, you know, it's a maturity level. I want to play with people who are adults. I want to play with people who are in my same age group or whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, hey, you know, I if I'm going to a con, I really don't want to run for kids. 
Totally fine. It doesn't make you a weak person or a weak game master or anything like that. And I would rather have you say, you know what? I'm uncomfortable running for younger people. Sure. Totally fine. Off you go. Instead of trying to force yourself to do something like that that you're not comfortable with. So I'd rather have you be self-aware enough to say, I don't like this or I don't know if I would and uh, be cautious about it. That's all. That's cool. Makes sense, Michael. <sighs> All right, Christopher Gray on online games. Hey there, BNS. I participated in a lot of online games in the last few years. One in particular is a group I met on Roll20, and we played about three years and are into our third 5e campaign. One player is in Italy, one is in Germany, another in Moscow, and the other is in Sacramento. It's amazing to be able to play with people all over the world and become friends after so many hours of D&Ding. For that game, we use Roll20 for maps. But Discord for audio because Roll20 never figured out how to stabilize that, how to stabilize enough for us. <clears throat> Having run an audio-only group for years, I can tell you that is a different experience than with the visuals or in person, but isn't any less of an experience. It is more deliberate, people take turns to speak, and it actually makes my visualization of the scenario much more vivid in my mind. And we talked about that, Sean. The biggest hurdle, he says, I had <clears throat> was to curb the desire to fill empty space. Unlike a podcast or radio, dead air is okay for an audio game. Players are thinking, waiting to see if others are going to speak, or simply checking things. I found if there's dead air and I try to fill it, I inevitably interrupt someone who is thinking and about to say something. After silence, if no one, is, <clears throat> no one speaks, then I move on with my GMing. For my part, however, I very much prefer Google Hangouts and Real Dice. That does a good job of simulating... Uh, face-to-face. However, it is difficult on games that require maps, etc. Sharing my screen works well for most things, though. I also want to plug the Gauntlet community, which you can find at www.gauntlet-rpg.com The Gauntlet. The Gauntlet. The Gauntlet. It's an amazing community of gamers that have cultivated the art of online play. There are tons of games running in their calendar uh, that you can join, and if you're a patron, you also get access to their Slack, where lots of amazing people congregate, chat, and play games. They recently wrapped up GauntletCon. 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 An online convention where you can find many of the games played on their YouTube channel. Uh, they have excellent podcasts. Uh, they also have ex- excellent podcasts. Uh, but anyway, if you're looking for a solid community of online gamers, definitely go there. That's about it for now, boys. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Chris. And Chris, we've mentioned the Gauntlet in the past. and That is one of the things I think they do very well. Um, apart from their podcast itself being pretty damn cool. Um, but uh, the Gauntlet uh, actual play stuff, I know Kev Thulu and I know a number of other people enjoy playing in that group. So it's definitely a solid crew over there. So good stuff. Yeah, so there you go, Jason Cordova. There's your plug. We'll take that uh, payment in <laughs> and we'll take that payment Jeez. in Cougar we'll take that payment in Cougar ends this time. <laughs> so if they got like into a spat with gaming and BS, would they throw themselves down? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But, I mean, if someone were to try to dethrone them, would they be take throwing down the gauntlet? Would that be the, the, the charge of the anti-gauntlet crusade or something crazy? I don't know. And then our antis would be, you know, gaming and honesty? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Oh, uh, wow. Podcastception. Okay, moving on. Your turn. Email from Carl Davis about online games. I just listened to episode 216, and once again, you've excited me with another great topic. <laughs> hey, Carl, don't get used to it, buddy. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll disappoint you eventually. Keep going. I play almost exclusively online now because of difficulty finding a player group after moving a few times. 
I also run games for strangers using the looking for group features of the online platforms. I personally use Roll20 as my platform and thought I would offer some suggestions for those starting. Some of the ideas might be obvious to some, but perhaps will help others. So I hope he goes into this. Ben, if you're listening to this, Ben R. here in Madison, this is what you may want to tune into, buddy. Because he's like, hey, you go into this? I'm like, maybe not the nuances. Your first goal is not which platform has the best die roll or map drawing, but how do you get the best audio experience? Makes sense. As a podcaster, how can I argue with that? Can't. Really can't. and I won't. Regardless if you use Discord, Google Hangout, or the built-in audio, get online with a friend before the first game and tweak the gain, sensitivity, and other parameters before you have a game master and other players waiting on you. Same goes for video and your web camera. You could easily lose a half hour or more of gaming while someone figures out why the USB mic isn't working with Discord or why they are too quiet for anyone to hear. Yeah, been there. Been there, tried to offer remote IT services. Jeff, Jeff, you're. I still can't hear you, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, can you hear me? <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to try to message him. And, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, Jeff, don't uh, throw your computer. Jeff, don't do it. Don't, don't. No, oh. You can't hear me. Look at me. So, someone, Look at me. Someone text him. Tell him not to do Oh, it's too late. <sighs> I, I will say, though, from even Sean and I try to have the same setup every podcast. Every once in a while, we'll clean something. We'll move something. And you've unplugged your mic. You did for a damn good reason. And you plug it back in. Something's not quite right. Well, the reason Sean and I tried to get on the mics ahead of when we want to actually record is because we want to make sure this shit's working. And even then, sometimes I'll be like, ah, crap, I hit the wrong button or I did something stupid. Anyway, point is, is your setup is not always the same from session to session to session, unless by some strange stroke of luck, you have a online gaming console set up in your office somewhere and that's all it's used for. But even then, test it. Always test, you know, trust but verify every time. Keep going. Secondly, take the tutorial if it exists and peruse the online help. Oh, yeah, baby. Smart stuff. RTFM. RTFM. The platforms often have many interesting features that are not obvious when you start. Stopping the game while someone tries to answer interface questions can bring your exciting plot to a halt and break immersion. Knowing how the platform handles character sheets, special die rolls, and interacting with your tokens helps keep the game moving. And we should have just we should have just had Carl on the show. Yeah, Carl knows his shit. <laughs> we haven't we didn't cover any of this crap. Carl Carl What dude, did we, we cover when we uh, did this? I don't topic? know, but man, Carl's got it in spades here. This is good. Keep going. Explore the customization, macro, or scripting capabilities of the platform. You don't need to be an expert programmer since most platforms have an active community writing scripts. I play Savage Worlds and found so many great resources to do custom bennies, initiative decks, ammo trackers, one-click wildcard rolling, and more. Also explore all the character sheets the tool supports. You'll likely find something for almost any game. Roll20 has a great selection, and they include macros to make rolling easy for a player. Indeed. It does. Finally, finding new players using the platform's game matching or advertising mechanisms is amazing. 
I've played with people around the world with so many gaming styles and unique perspectives. I recommend when you are advertising your game, include some of your session zero communication up front. I make sure the tone of the game, character expectations, off-limit subjects, and any rules or setting limitations are discussed right in the ad. Also, when people ask to play, you can request what they think their character concept is before inviting them to play. This really helps limit the awkward conversations when you realize someone wants to play a secret assassin in your buddy cop game. You want people joining your game to know what to expect and be excited about playing. It is very easy to drop out of an online game, and it is frustrating for someone to show up for the first session and then just disappear because of differences in expectations. Holy cow, man. When you game online, it takes a little more time to set up and ensuring everyone is on the same page, but the rewards are great too. There's probably a whole email I could write on that, on actually GMing a game effectively when your players aren't in the same room, but I'll leave that for another time. Keep the BSing going strong. Wow, I tell you, um, Carl, if you write that email, make sure you send it to us because... <laughs> If that, if that one's as well-crafted as this one, wow, that's good. No, seriously, Carl, this is good. This is very good stuff. I, I love the idea of your Session Zero stuff up front in, in your ad. Basically, hey, this is who I am. This is how I run games. This is the type of stuff we're looking to do. What's your character concept? Oh, I'm a super secret ninja who's part Wolverine and part Deadpool. Yeah, that doesn't work in you know my Call of Cthulhu game. Sorry. No, thank you. It's a really good way to... Weeding out is uh, has a bad connotation, but it's a good way for you to make sure that you're pairing your style and what you're looking to get with the right people. It's a it's a step. So that's some good that's some smart stuff right there, man. Very good. Uh, let's see. Andy Hall also emailed us about playing in line. He says, "Hey Sean and Brett, <clears throat> I ran my first RPG with strangers on virtual tabletop. Used roll twenty uh, this week. He had a blast, but before it started, I was not certain that any of the players would actually show." One of my key takeaways is that if you're the GM, give yourself time to wind down after a game before you need to go to sleep. I ran the game until 11 p.m. and needed to get up at 5 a.m. I was so keyed up after the game, I could not wind down. Winding down was not something I'd considered. Most of the virtual tabletop games I've played have all been done with voice and no video. I appreciate video, but that's a frill. Get voice working, and if you can get video working okay... Um, get video working okay for all and uh, you have players who want to use video dandy hope that adds the conversation keep it up gentlemen i think we're here uh, more than one person here andy just continues to echo it is that voice is key if you've got a good voice setup you can make do without video you know if you've got good voice and you work on the etiquette and it, it just seems repeatedly that this is uh that's the way to go even cool. youtube sucks if there's not good audio Oh, fuck yeah. I've seen those. Uh, seen, I've seen them YouTube videos where the kids are out there doing things and the sound sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, you can have gorgeous colors and whatever, but if you can't hear, it's of no use. Cool. Over to you, sir. Sky Slayton, if that is indeed his name. Of course it is. Emails about online play. Sup, my dude, and his beardiness. It's been a minute since I sent you my inane ramblings, but here we are again. Loving the show still and looking forward to Streets of Avalon. Sweet. You you covered a a lot of good points in the episode, but I want to give a different point of view on one thing in particular. The need for video chat. 
You don't. Ah. <laughs> Again. Should just run a poll. I don't know if we'd even need to. I run a game for five friends all over the U.S. We use Discord for audio and Roll20 for everything else. I run mostly theater of the mind, no video. Well, how do you? Well, okay, so you don't use Video Sky for the players. So you use Roll20 just for maps and probably other crap, initiative roll or whatever. Yeah. Character sheets, right. All right, just want to make the differentiates because somebody's going to listen to that and go, wait a minute, he's using Roll20, then why is he using Roll20 if he's not using video? The cool, you can turn the video and that stuff off on Roll20. You know, I when I game with Sneezak and the Wednesday evening folks, we only, we use Google Hangouts for our video and we only use Roll20 for the mechanical components, right. sharing maps and so on and so forth. So pretty much just like Sky does. Cool. While I know what Chris, Mateo, 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 Clayton, Jesse, and Mike all look like in real life and understand that humans do a ton of communication non-verbally, I don't imagine Mateo the bearded Colombian when we are playing, uh, playing, I imagine, wait a minute, hold on. I don't imagine Mateo the bearded Colombian when we are playing, I imagine Valerian, Valerian, Tal Danari, the kind of stuck-up, smooth-faced, and long-haired elven druid. When Mike, who's six foot three inch, I, uh, I, I, so when Mike's, who's six foot three inches, I see the young, angsty Marin, the half-elf, who looks like he should be part of the emo crowd. Oh, so that kind of a, I'm using the I'm using all the verbal. So that you don't look at me and say, hey, this is what Brett looks like trying to play this person. You hear all the verbal stuff. You don't have to get, you don't have the perhaps jarring interface of my ugly mug versus the the lovely elven lord I'm trying to play. Yeah, okay. You know, it's funny. I, I don't know if Sky knows this, but Sky, he, he tripped up on my secret. I, that's how I podcast with Brett. <laughs> I I come up with an alter ego and that's it. Like that's how I picture Brett during the show. It helps. So as he continues, so don't try too hard to replicate the experience of being there in person. Voice pairs so well with online play. I commission portraits of all my players. I'll include a link to the artist at, at the end. And I honestly see Baor and Vantis, Cosentori, <laughs> when Chris and Clayton are speaking, you look at the token or portrait and imagine the character. Yep. On the GM side, you can easily differentiate NPCs with just slight vocal modifications using higher, lower, faster, slower. Finally, and this isn't specific to using only voice, you can record the whole session, which you talked about, but I think that since Brett is a much more improvis, improv, improvis, oh my God improvisational GM, he didn't quite talk it out to the best point. You don't have to take notes at the table. I just rattle shit off and take the notes down later in the week. I constantly have the players define things and I never need to worry about not remembering it or taking bad notes. I put all my recordings on my G drive and link it to my discord server. So the players can listen too. have a recording is, Having a recording is also great if you don't play every week. You can listen to it the day before and be right back there. I'm sure there will be a bevy of platform suggestions. I use Roll20 and like it. 
It does what I need. Well, their voice and video implementation is not very good, so I use Discord. God, it's like an ongoing theme with Roll20. Yeah. Hello, Roll20. Feedback from people. I also use Discord for all our chat. They can plan or RP between sessions, and we can all just read it later if nobody remembers quite right. Finally, as to where to move the community, I would I would ask you think that you think about Discord server as well. Real-time chat is a different beast than a post and comment style community. You could put it behind the Patreon wall if you wanted to keep some sorting system in. Anyway, thanks for what you all do. So, oh, P.S. Here is the currently used for character portraits, which we will put in the show notes, which I hope to remember. Um, Discord server going backwards. Discord server... I don't know much about Discord. I think I've set up an account. I, I know it's meant for online video chat or online audio, um, which is great. I don't know. Real-time chat. Yeah. It's interesting because when you're trying to have a community of any kind, you're trying to pick – it's much like what we're talking about here. What platform do you want? What's working for you? And in this case, Sean and I, if we're going to have a community that serves, excuse me, a platform or a tool set that serves the gaming NBS community, we're going to not have to. What we want to do is to try to pick the one that serves the bulk of the people the easiest way, the best way, and whatever. And I'm certain um, Facebook, me, we, whatever, at some point, somebody's like, I hate that. So I only like this. I only like that. I know people that follow us and have no connection on our Facebook or uh, G plus accounts or anywhere else. They only follow us on Twitter and other people who could give a fuck about Twitter and only follow us on Facebook or only follow us other places. So one of the things that's kind of, I i am with you, Sean, I don't know enough about discord either, but I think one of the things that's a challenge for any kind of online community is for the owners or the curators of that community to try to reach out to, as, as many of the listeners and, and friends and the cool people that we that we know and have, have met through the show, through all the different mediums, it's it's really difficult. So you try your damnedest to hit everything, but I'm certain we're going to miss one or two platforms that somebody out there is like, oh, this is the best platform. Why aren't you using it? Sorry. You know, we're going to miss something. I'm positive. It's the best platform for them. Yeah. And we're trying to hit everybody. Or yeah. as many people as we can. It's it's tricky. It is absolutely absolutely tricky. But I think uh, looking into Discord makes sense just to get a better understanding of it. There is one thing that I had contemplated recently. So with the time of year, there ten I'm on a few email lists about Black Friday deals and Cyber Monday deals and all this. And some of the lists that I'm on are actual uh, uh, web and podcasting based. And one of the things that you can do would be get, I, I could get a membership component to our website. The, the addition to WordPress, which is what our website runs on, not a big secret, um, in order to do it probably the correct way and the best way is to actually pay for that piece. And it's usually on an annual basis or monthly basis. Um, so it's not free. Yes, we could do it free. I'm using like a buddy press type of plugin, but it's really geared towards, hey, we have a membership site. And if you want to pay us money, then you get access to 
you know, members, you become a member and then you get exclusive access to this area. We do not need to make it per pay. Like we don't need to charge anybody for it, but it will cost us money to put that into play and we can modify it. I've actually been a user of that thing. Um, and it's something, but you know, that's another account and then it would only be to our site, right? It wouldn't be, well, I am on Facebook, so I could always bop over to their page or, yeah. you know, whatever. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I mean, that's going, I wouldn't want to do public forums. They're just disastrous. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, they got to be a bad mod- idea. That was a bad idea when they started. They got to be moderated. And I, I did it for years and met some very good people through that. But again, a lot of them are, I mean, you probably, if you want to do it right, you probably got to pay for that as well because then you're getting support and upgrade. And I don't want to get into the web stuff on this, but it's just something that recently kind of struck my mind where, you know, maybe we just bring it to our own website. We control it. We pay for it. Um, Well, sometimes the, I mean, if it's free, you get what you pay for sometimes. right? You know, and then you, there's always the risk that any platform could go away. You know, it just, it's possible. That's with even now, even with, even, like what Brett was saying, that even goes to goes with what you're using as a virtual tabletop, right? Absolutely. Your Discord could be could go bye bye tomorrow, and then what are you going to do? Yeah, uh, which is one of the reasons why it's I think it's worth when you have a community like this. It's um, not like the not like Sean and I have this huge community. I mean, the men and women that listen to us, you guys are freaking awesome. We have a million well, listeners. Well, at least, <clears throat> at least <laughs> a, a million, million people somewhere have been forced to listen to us because one person in the car won't turn it down. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, is that when you're looking at your own home group, it, I think it's worth our time. We say, hey, Discord's working for us. Hey, Roll Twenty is really working. But keep your eye on the other up-and-comers. What else is out there? What are other people doing? I think it's definitely worth it. And if other people are using Fantasy Grounds or, or whatever else is out there, any other ideas that our listeners have, share them. We'd l- I'll be happy. Sean and I can just pop it up there and say, hey, people are also using X, Y, and Z. Because there could be a newer service out there that may trip your trigger more or may be better suited. And that way, in case one dries up or one of them, the service starts to go completely to shit on you, you have a couple others in your pocket you could switch over to. That you know. So anyway. That's all Brad has to say about that. I think so. Let's topic it up, man. Let's go to the main topic. <laughs> O-S. S-R. Hey, it's O-S-R. Yeah, I got to... Crack not, a can. I'm not sure why Brett did that right in the moment. Because it's old school, man. Old school oh. beer cans. Beer cans. Oh, old beer school. can. It's a beer, beer can. can. Old school. People drink out of beer cans. Yeah. Apparently, uh, in the microbrew world, canning is better than uh, glass. Oh, is that right? <clears throat> I have been told this, yes. It's probably a lot more trickier. I don't know. Like, how do you... I don't know. But I find that my spotted cow tastes just as good out of this can as it does in bottles. So. I got to think that capping a bottle is easier than putting that aluminum thing in place it has to do with like you know light and so on you want to keep the light is bad for beer oh yes so you know what we should do we should talk about the osr because that was what we're fucking here for so, i hey, know but go. the beer thing is interesting <laughs> i like the old ones do you remember the old beer cans brett where you used to pull it off with oh, the, your index the complete, finger the plate ring came off yeah damn and then beer cans were like made out of metal yeah steel at one point <laughs> yeah 
I actually remember uh, because when you went fishing. <laughs> Why are we talking well, about Well, I go this? fishing with my old man. So total aside, you go fishing with my dad. And he was a beer drinker. And um, you pull your pull tab off. And you'd always slide it into the beer can and then drink the beer. Just make sure you didn't accidentally drink the pull tab. Which is hard for it to come back out. It's hard for it to come back yeah. out. The reason we did it was because DNR agent would pull over and say, do you have any, you know, do you have flotation device? Yes. Do you have fishing licenses? Yes. And they would look to see if you had any cans. If you didn't have pull tabs, you could get a citation for littering. Because if you had five cans in the in the boat and you only had two pull tabs, where'd the other ones go? If you cannot repart- Did you they cannot- actually <laughs> ask for the pull tabs? Yes. You're serious? Yes. Oh, what a bunch of dickheads. Eh, it stops people from being dickheads and throwing crap in the water. So, well, it's just a yeah. simple matter matter of collect your trash, people. That's how I always looked at it. I see. Anyway, so the mo- OSR. Hey, hey, hey. The more, more you know, the more you know. Yeah, though OSR. So we we put this out ahead of time because Brett was in the North Woods. I took some initiative to to put behind this. So we're just going to read off some things that we hope to cover. So do you now? There's enough crap that people hit us here. Should we? I think we could just answer them as we go. Some of, oh, well, some of these are questions more than statements. They are. Yeah, that's very that's very correct, Brett. So, well, you okay. let, let, read the first one. Well, why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we start? Okay, we're we're new at this, folks. Just just <laughs> hang hang tight. We've only we've only been doing this for the last forty minutes. Why don't why don't we do this? We'll start with the the OSR component, and then we'll go through the questions and see if we hit what they mention. And if Got we it. don't, we'll address it that way. So, Brett, mm-hmm. what is what is the OSR? What I mean, let's start out with what it actually means. Old school Renaissance. Is it? Is that's, it? That's what I hear. Are you sure? I also I always also see it as a bizarre acronym for house rules as far as the eye can see. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> I've heard old school revival. Old school revival, yes, that as well. So basically what I've oh, heard oh, sorry, done, you, got, you got more? Yeah, oh yeah. I've heard old school role playing. Old school role playing, okay. Old school role playing. And uh thanks to Dyson logos, uh I actually saw on Google Plus today it stands for obese sedentary raccoon. I could see that. Yep. So I've seen some obese sedentary raccoons. Just saying. <clears throat> so Jason is a wise man. Brett, you may ask, Sean, what what made you pick this topic? Oh, I was go- oh, I was going to ask you because this is one of those ones that we've talked about before. So, what makes you want to talk about it again, Sean? Did we talk about this before? We have briefly. Now we haven't gone into it in great depth, and this has been. We're 218 episodes in on this one, so this is a long time back sure. where we talked a little bit about this. So, Sean, what brought this to your attention? Because this was one of those pieces, folks, every once in a while, you've probably heard me do this. Sean, what do you want to talk about next week? I don't know, Brett. What do you want to do? So when Sean hits me with a topic, says, Brett, we're talking about this. Right. I'm like, hold the, uh, hold the phone, buckle in. Sean's got a reason for this because he does not force topics at me willy-nilly. So, Sean, what drove you to this point? There's a couple things. Okay. Few things, maybe, depending on how long winded I get. One, I think it is a component of the role playing world where some people have probably heard of it and had a good interaction or maybe not so good interaction. And they may not know what so it is. So, a good, inter- is. good interaction with the people or the games themselves? The um, people who. 
So that that's you know what I'm saying? Right. Well that's that's good point. So I don't think I don't run into too many people that that run into what is the OSR and complain about the game. I, I very, very, I mean, I don't, I can't remember somebody going, you know what? I played this OSR game and it was dumb. Now it may not be their jam and they decide that it's not for them or their play style, but I have heard of people running into people that affiliate themselves. What, with the OSR and not had a good experience. So when you talk about not good experiences, I think I agree. I'm agreeing with you here because I too, when I run into somebody who has something negative to say about the OSR, um, the negativity comes down to the people who are associating themselves and usually very strongly associating themselves and uh, kind of a, I'm taking a stance type of folks as opposed to somebody who says, yeah, I've played, BX. I've played back. I, mean, I I tried. Um, I tried Traveler. It was a really damn good game. Hell, I played Middle Earth role playing. You know, wow, that was that was crazy complicated. I can't believe people used to play that all the time. Had a good time though. Not my cup of tea. Moving on. So definitely, I would agree with you. Carry on. Okay. Now, so another continuing from that, I wanted to cover it um, so that if somebody had a less than great experience with some folks that align themselves closely with the OSR. Um, I want to kind of talk about the OSR and what it is to separate them from players that may not be a positive influence in gaming, period. I had, um, back in the day when I played Vampire heavily for 15 plus years, there was... White Wolf games, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, I would run in people, oh, you're one of those gamers. Oh. Because there were people who viewed um, people who played White Wolf games as a certain type of person. They did not want to associate with the game because of the people that were so strongly associated with it. I have met people that are huge Amber Diceless role-playing gamers who go to Amber Cons, are really big at this, who... People say, oh, that's that game. What do you mean that game? Well, I've never played it, but all the people who play it or everyone I've run into. So this kind of the you know wide-eyed zeal of the converted to the, the cult of your choice attitude that some people have has driven people away from something that may or may not be actually fun for them. I am so glad that you brought those examples up, Brett. Because it just goes to show you that there are dickheads in every like facet of everything. I, I, like it doesn't. It's not just RPGs. It's sports. Oh, totally right. It's hobbies, whatever they are, anything. Right. I mean, you could talk about dogs and breeders and you know uptight people in that those kind of areas. So I guess part of it is. Hey, we're going to talk about the OSR and what it is, and also to say it's it's not a bad kind of thing, and that you're going to run into shitheads no matter where you go, but you shouldn't have shitheads deter you from a thing. And if you are a shithead um, and you don't realize it, we're going to point it out. <laughs> yeah, stop, we're, stop, we're, stop we're fucking gonna, doing that. We're going to tell you, hey, what you're doing is uh, being a shithead and you should stop. Yeah. Now, it's probably 
none of the people that are listening to the show. I've yet to meet any of our listeners in any way, shape, or form that I wouldn't. I would game with any one of our listeners. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I would say the same thing. But I bet you they know somebody. Oh yeah. Oh, I I, I know other people. Right. <laughs> so having said that. It's also a kind of like thing, right? Is it? It's this kind of thing that people talk about and throw around, and I don't know if anybody really knows what it is. Like Brett, if I said, "Dude, OSR man," and I said, well, "I asked you earlier what it stood for," you're like, "Hey, it's obviously old school renaissance." You're like, "Hang on," and you threw a couple other acronyms at me. I'm like, "Oh, interesting." But do you okay? So what else do you know about it, Brett? So I mean, as a quick aside, I mean, you look at Hobbs. Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. Hobbs is talking. He's mad because he's not on the show and we're talking about the OSR. Of course he is. And I told him, I said, hey, man, you dropped OSR. Did you know this? No, did he? Just Hobbs and Friends? He's going to drop it to Hobbs and Friends. Well, this is a good move. I think that's cool. Well, you know, nothing wrong with that. But he used to talk about, and I know he still does, he and I have had this conversation, you know, what is it? So I think when someone says to me, Brett, what is the OSR? I said, well, it's an old school revival renaissance way of gaming. And what does that mean? So basically what this means, and I, I jokingly say house rules everywhere, is people saying, I had a lot of fun playing the Holmes edition or the, you know, um, Frank Mensner, Beck Me Basic, Expert, Companion, Masters, Immortal set of, um, of D&D. I really like that. I like first edition D&D. I liked Traveler. I liked <clears throat> games that didn't have skills for everything. I like this style of rule set. And they like it enough where they say, I want to do that again. I want to capture that again. And it includes a lot of things that are often called retro clones, like swords and wizardry, um, crypts and things, uh, crypts and creatures, um, lots of them out there. Osric, which is old school reference index companion, which is essentially first edition uh, AD&D, just recodified in a more easily understood and read through approach. But basically, it's taking those older style of games that kind of started the hobby and breathing life back into them because you'll have people that will be playing a game like Pathfinder. I'll pick on Pathfinder. <clears throat> and they'll say, wow, this game's complicated. Oh, boy, there's a lot of stuff in it. Oh, geez, I don't know if I remember all that stuff. Oh, my God, I don't like this. Or, man, I, I, I want to do like I used to do. Or somebody will say, boy, this seems complicated. And someone else will say, oh, I like, I'd like to have you try this old game. It's kind of breathing life back into some of those older style of games. And... um some of those games are readily available. You can go to DriveThruRPG right now. Uh, most of the stuff that TSR did from a rule set perspective, TSR now Wizards of the Coast, of course, um, is out there. You know, all the way from the original brown box, white box, Dungeons and Dragons, to the basic, to the expert, to your AD&Ds, and so on. And I always lump um, Traveler, I would even say GURPS to some extent, and Champions and the Hero System, some of the... Those things, and this is where it gets kind of fuzzy, is how far backwards in the gaming history do you want to go to consider it OSR? Um, so to me, um, it's almost anything that was in the 80s back is like OSR, if I have to put something on there. But it's a different style of play. We've talked about Matt Finch uh, wrote an old school primer. Um, which I which I really think is cool, and I think it's free, available for people. And I think if we can find a link, we'll we'll throw a link out there. But that's link, a really link in the show notes. Link in the show notes. Thank you. Be, it goes to Lulu, so it goes to Lulu, but it's mm. free. Cool. 
So did I answer your question, Sean? I kind of danced a little bit, but you know, Brett, it, it's it's a hard thing. It's honestly very hard for me to say. Oh, it's just this. Well, oh, it's just reimaginings of uh, fancy heartbreakers from back in the day. But somebody obviously rules the OSR. Oh, clearly. There's a, there's got to be a <laughs> there's committee. There's a czar. There's a czar. There's a czar. Okay. Because I yeah. didn't know. Because there seems to be this issue about like who oversees the OSR. Isn't that weird? Maybe there's a committee I'm not aware of. Yeah. Uh-huh. How do I become OSR? <laughs> How do I have a book if I publish something? How do I know if it's OSR? I know. That's the interesting part. Yeah. <laughs> Hey. People, people, there are arguments online. Is fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons OSR? I'm like, I, 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 part of me, honestly, when people say, well, how's that game? I say, well, it's kind of OSR like. I use it as a broad brush stroke to say it plays like older games. Wow. So I would say Dungeon Crawl Classics is an OSR style game because it plays like older games, it has differences. Some nuances and some other things. People but will it, argue with you on. Oh, that. I know, you know they that. will. You know I, that, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I would say it's OSR because it plays like. Um, I do not want to, nor do I care enough to dig into the only within these very specific parameters. Of- Brett, that's what we're here to do today. <laughs> we're going to establish what the OSR is, how well, how it is how it is determined. You can have OSR stamped on your book, and if you are not right. Well, well, we're um, going to send the OSR police after you. Once you're done with that masturbatory exercise, give me a call. <laughs> I'll get back on the show with you. So this is where we can engage in a little wankery, I think. Oh, this is heavy duty wankery. Wank, this wank, is wank. It's just stupid. I, I mean, well, now let's be fair. Well, the wankeries can be stupid, but oh yeah, that yeah, that piece. Yeah, of it. I mean, yeah. there's there are people who really love that style of gaming. And they love it to a point where like, look, I'm really, I'm OSR to the bone, man. I love this style of gaming. This is my jam. This is how I want a game. It's, you know, Traveler in the small cardboard box. That's my game. That newer version of Traveler, nah, not good enough. I like the original stuff. I like this older thing. Or I like Swords and Wizardry because it's like the old stuff but has just enough new. And that's where some of the retro clones kind of vacillate where some of the arguments begin is like it's like the old but has just enough new how much new you know it's basically how much salt is too much in your potatoes how much spice is too much how hot do you like your chili it gets wonky That's, in there I so like that. i like those analogies brett yes yeah i i i, I, I paid for them I called brett them. brett's I called been them. cooking lately or something <laughs> over there <laughs> Actually, I, have, I got a new recipe book on uh, cooking wild game, so I've been reading. The more been, you know. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of recipes. The lately. more you know about Brett. So, Sean, I mean, what does OSR mean to you when you hear it? Do you do you echo my response, or what do you think? So, I think that's the question, and I think that's the answer. Yeah, I'm asking you the question. The answer what, me, goddammit. Answer me. What is the OSR to you? So, what is it to you, Sean? And I think it means lots of different things to lots of different people. So what does and it mean I think to you? as what long as you, Sean, and Sean, as long Sean. as and as long as people understand that everything will be all right, everything will be all right, Brett. Everything will be okay. Hey, as, trust us. If, as long as we could just learn to understand that when Sean says second edition AD and D is OSR, that you don't have to tar and feather him. So. 
I will answer Brett's question. And I think that it is, it, it has a few components. And I do, Brett was starting to reference Matt Finch's old school primer, which we'll have a link in the show notes. You can download it. It's a really, I think it's a relatively quick read. And I'm still waiting for Matt to come on Hobbs and Friends to talk about the old school primer. He hasn't done it yet. So, hey, Hobbs. Dude, get on that, man. I mean, I know you've been on his show. Um, Rulings, not rules. Okay. So this is taken straight out verbatim. And I have to agree with Matt because it, it really sums it up in a nutshell pretty quick, effectively, in my in my view of what the OSR is. The referee, in turn, uses common sense to decide what happens or rolls a die if he or she thinks there's some random element involved, and then the game moves on. Okay? So that's a big one. Player skill, not character abilities. That's a big one that some we've people... Talked, we've talked about this a bit in your we team have. of Annihilation game and other things where it was you as the player knowing that that's a troll and I should use my torch was a sign of, hey, that that gal, she's been playing D&D for a while. I'm glad she's on our team, right? Right. That, that's how you looked at it. Like, oh, thank God he knows he, he knows what a mind flare is. Otherwise, we'd all be fucking toast. Oh, she's obviously played that thief before. She brought a 10-foot pole. I, that was, so, that, that's big. You don't have a spot check to let you notice hidden traps and levers. You don't have a bluff check to let you automatically fool a suspicious city guardsman. And you don't have a sense motive check to tell you when someone's lying to your character. Mm-hmm. You have to tell the referee where you're looking for traps and what buttons you're pushing. You have to tell the referee whatever telltale you're t- trying to get the city guardsman to believe. You, player, through your character conveys what you're doing and then the game master decides based on how well you do it maybe there's a die roll maybe not that's the thing it's a maybe maybe not where in some systems it's like oh you gotta roll the other one he mentioned heroic not superheroes so old style games have human size scale not a super powered scale at first level adventures are barely more capable than a regular person they live by their wits but back to the Zen moment, even as characters rise to the heights of power, they aren't picking up super abilities or high ability scores because they're not relevant. Right. So if you we, roll- we talked about that a while ago yeah. with Magic Gear, right, where certain game systems, you know, when I look at my 5e game or my Pathfinder or I'm using those, it's just hopefully as a common ground for folks. But in those games, your character class and you get stat bumps, you get this, and that the class and the character himself becomes really beefy. And your old school game, a plus one sword was a big goddamn deal. If you adventured long enough to find the staff of the Magi, you were fucking awesome. You ventured long enough to find the Orb of Dragonkind. You were doing this, and you got enough credits to go buy in the Star Frontiers game to go buy your own ship or travel. You were building stuff up. That fucking mattered. You know, that was a big deal. Number four, which Brett is just going to jump all over for joy. I'm just smiling. He's just like so ecstatic about what I'm about to say. Forget game balance. So he muted his mic, ladies and gentlemen, because he's like screeching over there. (sighs) I'm just so happy. He's done jumping up and down on his chair. Squee! 
The old style campaign is with fantasy world with all its perils, contradictions, and surprises. It's not a game setting, which somehow always produces challenges of just the right difficulty for the party's level of experience. This is that concept of, you know, your first little character is dead. Make a new one. At the end of Osric, one of the things that the um, the Osric folks say is like, hey, um, that's okay. Make a new character. It takes about that long. And you got a new one. Keep going. Want to make a third level character? About that long. Keep rolling. Just go. And um, that's one of the – those pieces, those four principles, if that sings to you, I think – Games that are in that style, you will find very enjoyable. Yeah, I would say OSR to me is is a style of play that incorporates those things. Now, I, would, I think that's I think that Sean, I think that's a more succinct way to say everything I blathered on. So I agree, I absolutely agree with you. Now, number four, I would question because even AD and D, you still have modules that are set for certain levels. Correct, but within those modules, well, if you instant super tetanus, well, um, there yeah, was but still, that's like what level is that for? Oh, I'll find it. I'll, I'll dig it up. But what I'm saying is, there are challenges within them that you still need to use your wits. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't matter. It, it will do obscene amounts of damage. There's still save or die, right? Sure. Fifteenth level character, save or die is in there, brother. No matter what, you fail to use your wits as a fifteenth level warrior. There's no. Oh, I roll my spot hidden with a plus 17 because of a 15th level? No fucking way. If you as the player fail to do the thing at 15th level, you die. Just like the little plebe at first level also failed to do the same thing. Now, OSR does not mean only fantasy. No, it does not. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, there are some OSR games that are derived off of like Swords and Wizardry um, to include the um, Stars Without Number mm-hmm. it is a science fiction game that's based off a of first edition AD&D kind of core. Um, there I is, would say Star, Star Frontiers Boot Hill, just to go for old yep. school TSR yeah. games, Star Frontiers Boot Hill uh, um, Gangbusters. Gang, yep. You mentioned <clears throat> Traveler. Twilight 2000. Sure. Oh, um, shit, even the original uh, GURP stuff, Champions. Um, Operation Master. Operation White Box. Yeah, White Box. Yep. yep Operation White Box, retro cloning stuff. Um, the Black Hack. Yeah, Black Hack. There's tons. Labyrinth Lord. I mean, uh, we're going back into fantasy, but yep. there are tons of them. We're not going to list all of them. Fantasy is still one of the more popular genres out there, and I still think within the OSR perspective, one of the reasons there's a lot more fantasy OSR-style games that hold to these four principles is because when many of us hearken back or we enjoy that thing is we like that type of fantasy game. Yeah. Um, if we look back and say, boy, I really like that type of supers game. Marvel. Right. Old school Marvel. Villains and go, vigilantes, uh, my Villains friend. vigilantes, absolutely. Uh, that's where I go back to champions, some of that stuff. When I first played superhero games, it was either Marvel or um, the Marvel box set or the um, or champions. We never played villains and vigilantes, but those were the ones that were out there for us. So typically, not always, but a lot of the what would be considered OSR, as I kind of define it in my own eyes, 
is a lot of older school stuff, right? It kind of lets the OS come in into play. Top Secret is involved in that. Star uh, Trek, fastest Star Trek. Some folks will say Call of Cthulhu. Ooh, that's going Cthulhu's back. old. It's right. been around for a very long time. Yeah. This is one of the first horror games. Right. So having said that, um, so why would you run into shitheads in this in this particular area? Well, I honestly, at a personal level, I don't fucking know why any group of shitheads just gravitates towards certain things. It baffles me sometimes. But anyway, you have a theory. The reason I think, well, so I, some of you may have run into folks that misrepresent a particular area of the hobby. And that could vary from what Brett said, like, you know. Oh, maybe, there was there was White Wolf Vampire stuff. Right. There were people that played Amber. Um, I'm just, those are the two that, that strike. Oh, even Call of Cthulhu people were weird. Well, <laughs> I and grew, it's not- I, the, the, in the gaming groups I was in, people who were into horror games like Call of Cthulhu were like this odd group. So, well, anyway, and the lesson, the lesson here is it's not everybody, but. No, it's not. What tends to happen in these situations is that it ends up being loud voices, very few loud voices drowning out the masses. So Brett and I playing OSR, playing White Wolf, Vampire, whatever, running around, doing our stuff. Great. Representing the hobby, super. But there's always going to be one knobhead that's going to have this presence on social media. They are going to take it upon themselves that they are the representative of whatever it is. And then they're going to rub somebody the wrong way. And typically they will tout themselves as some type of gatekeeper. They don't say that, but they're like they're they're the, judging the phrasing, whether somebody's worthy. Yeah, the phrasing in the approach is of the that's not OSR, and let me tell you why. Or this person isn't. These are folks that will have a posting that say things like, "Is our Brett and Sean OSR?" Right. Right. What? Is is this an OSR podcast? Yeah, because I only listen to OSR podcasts, so I want to know is it really OSR? And they will put posts out there like that. Right. I only like to listen to OSR stuff. Is gaming BS OSR enough for me? Th- that will be the post. That'll be the I, post. And, and yeah. I, I'm paraphrasing, but I've seen those types of posts. And I read that. And I'm like, I'm not fucking responding. What a bunch of crap. And you look at it, people will respond like crazy. Well, it kind of sort of depends how you, and they go back and forth. Depends on which episode you listen to. Yeah. Which I, I is true, probably. Honestly. Some of the, um, but again, wank, 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 wank. I'm going to use a phrase in that spirit, uh, wankery, that my buddies and I have used over the years is that some folks suffer from little dick, big keyboard. Oh. We're safe behind the keyboard, like yeah. many, many keyboard warriors. Keyboard will, warrior. We'll be more than happy to tell you why you're wrong. Um, I look at one of my f- favorite um, things that um, uh, Matt Colville did. Was the map is not the territory. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you look at, if you watch that video, he talks about this is not Dungeons and Dragons. This is. It's a really, it very, I think, encapsulates a lot of my feelings. And one of the pieces about it, he says, is that in online community, um, people will ask these weird, fiddly questions. I'm paraphrasing um, about how a game should run or what's right or is this enough or is this good enough? And usually, the people who are busy telling you how to run your game or how to identify things or how to do things the right way or the OSR way for this point usually don't have their own game to run. 
Matt what? says things like, well, they may not have anyone around them who wants to run with them. Maybe they're not surrounded by pro nerds or nobody wants to run with them. Um, but <laughs> there's there's people who are oftentimes spending a lot of time very busily telling you what or how to do it. I think one of the things that Sean and I wanted to do when we did the show is not to come across as, I know more than you, you stupid listener. Do what I fucking tell you. Because that's not who we are and that's not how we approach this. And I think... For those of you out there who are running games, you, you take the time to run. As the men and women who have taken the time to run into us and bump into us at cons, we'll see some people, hey, I'm at this con. And I'm like, hey, cool, great to see you. How are you doing? I'm busy. Got to go to a game. Raither. Raither shows up. I get to talk to him about that long because the dude's running games. He does not have time during the con or regular during the week to argue the nuances of whether or not, you know, lost – Minds of Sojikanth, or how, we, or how is it actually supposed to be? He's not going to argue about this. That's for beer time. Exactly. That's for beer time with a close group of intimate yeah. friends where we could tell each other <laughs> You're that fucking wrong. Brett is freaking crazy <laughs> for not considering game balance and that. But the, the short version is, if anybody, quite frankly, and I try to live this more and more as the older I get, is this, anybody online isn't is going to tell you what is OSR 100% and never take your input in. I am if they if it smells like a gatekeeper back the fuck away. Because that person, that man, that woman, that whomever don't give them any time. Frankly, that's just a little piece of advice from Uncle Brett. Don't fucking don't waste your time with them. Because that person, you're busy. You have your own game to run, your own shows to listen to, your own podcast to make, your own stuff to do. You're trying to create, you're looking for positive things to help you really enjoy the hobby. And GameholeCon was that revitalizing thing for me, as I, as I said earlier this episode and a couple episodes ago, and, and keep the things that are making you happy in your space. Don't get sucked down that rabbit hole. I'm sorry. I totally went off on a tangent there, but now, it annoys the crap out of me. It does sound a little hypocritical when we get on these stupid mics and we start saying, hey, this is this is kind of the deal or that's the deal. But keep in mind, we try to say... This is our thought, our opinion, right? Or here's how you might be able to do something a little different, better, Mm -hmm. worse, whatever, or something to be aware of. So we are not here to preach and say and be gatekeepers. That's, I think, the key. It is. You listen to like uh, Chris Steele and uh, Tabletop Game Talk. He and Kitty and and, and, and his wonderful wife sitting here on there, whatever, and they're talking about board games and stuff they're not telling you what a really good board game is they're just giving you opinions and stuff like that they're not telling you that you're doing it wrong or that there's only one way to do it you know that's that type of approach well board games are a different beast but okay so we kind of beat that dead horse like badly so Sorry, moving, it, it needed to be beaten though, it is that, but it, it, it does because if you encounter such... that stuff that's the shit that throws people off these style of games is right, that loud mouth motherfucker? Well, who won't shut up about and it? And there, there, there are ones in D and D. There are ones in every game. Oh no, fuck yeah! In every genre. However, it's it's sometimes for whatever reason we don't know why. I mean, I have my theories, but for whatever reason, it's, OSR does come up with some abrasiveness. Now, there's going to be people that are on here that are 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 very avid and very into this particular area of the hobby and they'll be like man i don't run into that which is cool because they don't facilitate that they don't run in those circles 
but I'm guessing they've probably have heard of it, which is unfortunate. So we're squashing that. We want to squash it right now. So don't be that person. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. So having said that, let's start answering some of these questions, Brett. Is that fair? Should we say that? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's get in it. So the first one, Larry Hout mentions, he says, does Milestone XP work in an OSR system? So if you run... No, if you get, no I, honestly, I, I would say if you look at your OSR system, kidding, um, many of them are built where experience points on a class-based system in like AD&D, for example, thieves at second level are oftentimes equal to, I'll pick, I'll, I'll make this up as a fighter at third level and a wizard at fifth level is equal to a fighter at this other level. So there's a planned imbalance on how the experience point work in v- different levels Different classes will level up. If you want to run it rules as written, I certain OSR games I think would lend themselves easier to it, especially some of the retro clones that are built towards that, where there's a single experience point track. But if you get into different experience point tracks for race or class or whatever you have, I think that's where it might break down on you. At the same time, you could you can use milestone XP. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, like Brett said, it just depends on how you want your particular game. And the, the specifics are thieves in first edition AD and D, if I remember correctly, and I don't know why these numbers come to my brain easily, is that they to get to second level you need twelve hundred and fifty experience points. Brett can fact check me. He's probably not, but that's okay. Working on it. And to be cleric, I think you literally need twenty five hundred at to get second level. So obviously, if you are a thief, you are leveling faster. But, which is really cool. You're like, wow, I'm leveling up. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But there's a certain point when that mage will pass you by in power. Right. So it all comes out in the wash. I mean, you're just. That's the the theory. I got a third level thief. You've got a second level cleric. Everybody that's kind of on the, everybody knows that XP difference, understands the difference in the the class power. Yes. Right. You want me to read the next one as you're doing whatever you're doing? No, I want to make sure I get this thing okay. tagged in so or something. Hold so on. Brett's Hold on. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Well, don't can, don't push can, me. I can read the next you're, one. You're getting pushy. I don't like this. Read oh. the next one. Race is class by uh, Keelan. Oh, God, Keelan. Did I say Keelan or Kellen? Kellen Finian. Oh, it's got to be Kellen. Kellen Finian. Races, class stuff, and the limited classes in general. All right. So he uh, or she, I guess, Kellen, I don't know, um, talking about races, class. So we've got that, right, in the older editions. Yep. Races, class, that's kind of where that idea came up. And when people do race as class, they always often think, oh, that's an OSR style. Uh, limited classes, um, again, going back to first edition AD&D. And I think it was in second. I don't recall. But um, gnomes could not be certain things. A halfling could not be certain things. You could not have a dwarven magic user. Didn't happen. Wasn't allowed. No. Well, gnomish magic user. Didn't it's happen. That's the law. OSR, no, OSR police. Yes. Gnome, gnomish illusionist. Yes. As written. Right. It was often one of the first things people house ruled the shit out of, which is where some of your retro clones, people like house rules. Whack. There. Get rid of that because no one agreed to it anyway. Then he... Uh, talks about limited classes. Well, that's what I'm talking about. 
Well, I think it's not limited class. I think it's limited race. <clears throat> right? So elves could only go up to X level. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, certain things you could only a dwarf uh, could be like 10th level fighter and that was it. Right. Or whatever. I mean. I, yeah. So, and then he also asked, also is DCC OSR? I say yes. Some will argue splitting hairs. Does it? Let me ask you this. Does it matter? No. The only way it matters to me is when someone says, oh, DCC, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Is that like Dungeons and Dragons? And I would say, you're talking like the new fifth edition D&D? Yeah, that's the one I play all the time. Well, actually, it plays more like one of the older school ones. Huh? And I would I would use that as a reference point to say it plays more like this. It has some of the newer components to it, but it's more like a mishmash of, um, I would say, third edition plus blah, blah, blah. So it becomes a reference point again. Like, hey, is this like Dungeons and Dragons? Yes, but is this like the is it like an OSR game? Yes. And this is how I reference it. Uh, and then Kellen goes on and say, or is it the next step in something better? I don't know. I, better, I don't know Be- if I would better? go better. It's fun. It's a damn fun game. Yeah. You know. Better is a, that's, that's Very all. Very subjective. Yeah. That's, that depends on whether you like it or not. I don't know. Um, You want to read the next one? Yeah. Michael Drescher, which do, would you, which do you consider more bloated, OSR or modern RPGs? And he tries to define it a little bit better at, by saying, as in, which is more saturated with filler RPGs? So I think he's talking about the genre. It's oh, not the genre, but the, the, grouping of the um of the stuff i think my answer is both they're equal oh there's the, tons of everything we are, yeah there. we are in the golden age of rpgs uh, it's uh, uh, it's there if you want to find a retro clone of boot hill it's there you want to find a retro clone of twilight 2000 it's there you want to find a brand new reinvention of twilight 2000 using fate it's there or you can do it. Um, <clears throat> I think there's – I don't think either one is overly saturated. I don't think <laughs> – saturation is weird to me because I think some of it just kind of – it falls by the wayside. Hey, this game is really popular. It's not there anymore. Chill was an RPG in the 80s and early 90s. It was a horror game by Mayfair Games that was popular in some groups, but I never knew anybody who played it. And then it came back as a um, as a Kickstarter. Oh my god, that game! I love that game, and people went bananas over it. Same with Seven C. I knew nobody who played Seven C. Next thing you know, John Wick turns it around, gets the property back, makes a million plus dollars. Anyhow, I don't think there is. I don't see it as bloated. I would use the term not bloated nor saturated. Just saying there are enough options within all. You can find something to your taste. That's how I would see it. And I think both your modern style designs, um, i.e. Fate or a story game or probably Apocalypse is to pick on those. There's a shit ton of all of it. There just is. There's a ton. What lasts in the next 10 years to 15 years? Eh, test of time. We'll see We'll see where the fans are. You know. Blake Ryan says, one, by OSR, are you including COC and Traveler or just pre-Beckme D&D? I include, OS, I include COC and Traveler. I would, too. Two, would you recommend playing or running OSR before or after 5e? Why? I think because of one of the things that, for me anyway, 5th edition D&D has a tighter 
Um, and when I say that, this is again slightly subjective terminology. I think a tighter rule set, insofar as I don't have a lot of um, this feat plus that feat plus this bonus stacking. Da, 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 da. Um, if you were to play an OSR style game before fifth edition, um, it would be interesting, or even to play it afterwards would be equally interesting because if you've never played either one before, I, uh, let me say it this way: if you've never played either one before, I would start with fifth. Because if you've never played before and you're going to run it for people, it has a more prescriptive list of things you can try. It has skills. One of the challenges that people have, at least that I've encountered, in a game without a skill set, we've talked about this before, in a game without a skill list of any kind, is what can I do? What do you want to do? It's so open-ended that can be overwhelming for certain people. Hmm. Again, I'm saying this not knowing who the you I'm talking to is. <clears throat> but if you were to play 5e, um, you have a pretty limited list of skills, pretty self-contained, not too crazy. It's not like a GURPS game or something uh, just huge. Or even Call of Cthulhu, which is, has a fairly large list of skills. Um, you play that, and then if you play an OSR-style game that has fewer skills, more towards the... Uh, towards the um, uh, the primer stuff that we talked about, those four points. I think that would be, I I just think it'd be interesting. Then you'd have something to compare and contrast against versus something so heavily different saying, hey, I played a lot of Fate and I went from Fate and I want to play first edition AD&D. That might be, and again, depending what your background is, it could be kind of jarring. I don't know. Sean, I'm sorry. I took all the time on that. What do you think? No, that's, I think that all depends on who the person is. Yeah, it does. And number three, why does OSR sound like an old private giving directions? Pirate. Did I say private? You said private. It's private. private. Old private. OSR. OSR. Yes, it does. All right. I don't know. Probably because people, the guy, some of those OSR guys are grumpy grognards. That's why. <laughs> All right. Fantasy bot flight. Holy cow. Will the DIY do-it-yourself community keep it going strong or is it about to run its course? Talking about the OSR. Has it become oversaturated? In 30 years, will it be all be based on 4E instead of OD&D and BX? Why do I still like my Palladium System books? You know, that is... So we already... I, I think we talked about the oversaturated piece. I think the do-it-yourself community is an aspect of the OSR, people who really like that style of game, because you can make your fantasy heartbreaker. You can make this really cool house ruled version of first edition or whatever the case is. Well, I think the do what they, what they do is pretty popular. What they do is they do house rules. Yeah, it's house rules. Then they publish them. And then they publish it. Yeah. Say like, hey, here's the version of D and D I ran. I have I can't call it D and D. Yeah. But I can call it Swords and Wizardry. Or Labyrinth Lord. Or Crips and Things. Or whatever. Or Avalon. Or whatever I want. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. I think the other the interesting piece in here is in 30 years will all be based on 4E. This is the um, a buddy of mine, Chad Knight. <laughs> Chad Knight. So I'll pick on Chad. Chad, at one point, he said, I consider myself pretty old school. I mean, I started with second edition. And my game group went, whoa, that's not old enough. We all joke. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because these crusty bastards go back further. Yeah. And it's at a certain point, how old? <laughs> how old is old enough, right? So old school, How old, when does it's the old school become? It's all freaking 
I'll tell you what, it, kids. Right now, if you're if you're younger than forty, I'll tell you what. At some point in your life, you're gonna pull. You're gonna be flipping through the radio station, unless there's no radio stations. But somebody will list some music somewhere <laughs> as oldies or classic, How and nice. you'd be like, "Hey, I know that ACDC tune." And somebody would <laughs> be like, "That's so old," and then you'll punch your child. No, I'm kidding. Um, but you'll feel like you want to. But anyway, Brett listens that, to the oldies channel. I might. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Oh, Palladium, that's another one. He he mentions this. I'm glad he brought that up. So Palladium is another Riffs. Game. Riffs. I would consider Riffs uh, fairly OSR. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of AD&D-based <clears throat> stuff. Yeah, it's it's and it's been out for a long time. James Carruthers, I would like to know definitively, oh boy, what distinguishes OSR from BX and or AD&D? Oh, I don't. Is there a difference? I wouldn't think so. What I think is funny is BX and AD&D and the original games, be they Star Frontiers, Boot Hill, Twilight 2000, that's like the thing that's casting the shadow that are the retro clones. Right. Right. That's the giant that everyone's standing on. Right. Everyone's standing on that game's shoulders to make yeah. their thing, their house rules, whatever. I think that, to me, is what distinguishes... New OSR products from that. So Sean, I've talked about this off the mic. So I'm like, what kills me about certain retro clones is I'm like, I, I already have BX. Right. Well, it's a BX retro clone. I, I have BX. I have three copies of no, BX. No, you don't have this one, though. It doesn't have the same house rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like, yeah, I, I don't need those house rules. I, I well, have BX. Oh, we're about to get into that, Brett. Yeah, so it's Because Brett's going, oh, Brett loves Osric. I do. Why? The reason I like You Os- have ED&D. I know. The only reason I like Osric is because of its its reorganization of first edition AD&D. Brad just likes the index and the table of contents better. Yes. No, I, I like the way it's laid out. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a layout perspective. Okay. No, that that said, if you if you said, hey, you can't have it, you can only have your AD&D book, I, I'll play with the AD&D books. Doesn't bother me. Right. So he also asks, is it the same as Osric? Well, I th- as Osric, I mean, so, here's the thing with Osric, okay? I just got to get this off my chest, Brett, because mm-hmm. Osric is first edition AD&D. Am I right? Yes, except it has no monks. Well, okay. And there's a couple other differences. There is. Yep. But, how, I mean, how many? Five? Not many. It's very much the same. Ten differences? Yeah, if that. Yeah, it's pretty minimal. Yeah. But we still reference it as Osric. Yes. I don't understand that. I know when I was talking to the guys from Black Blade <laughs> Publishing, I was talking to them about Osric at Gen Con back when I bought it. I said, how is this different? He said, I'll tell you what, Brett. A lot of guys actually have this book next to their AD&D books because someone says, how the hell does Infravision work again? And they know, aha, here's Infravision. All the Infravision info is in one fucking place. All the Ultravision info is in one place because there's two different versions of Vision there. Instead of doing that's right, ultra vision. Instead of going through the Gygaxian pain of forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards oh, across God. three books, it's self-contained. It's an index reference companion. So, I I refer to AD and D and Osric. I simply use it as the reference companion. Right. Uh, he Carry goes on. on. I have the Osric updated second edition PDF, but I've only skimmed it at best. Every class has its own Thaco table. Correct. Yes. All right. Seems pretty dense. The book is, the book appears dense because it has Player's the, Handbook, yep. DMG, and Monster Manual all in one. There you Hence go. Hence its thickness. It's not there that you, bad. Yeah. 
Uh, da, da, da. Seems pretty dense. My interest is purely nostalgia driven, so I'd like to hear what you guys think uh, Osric's intrinsic value is beyond inexplicable Grognar nostalgia. Although that might be all we need, and fair enough if that's the case. Brett? I think that playing a game for nostalgia's sake is totally legit. I do it all the fucking time. I love playing games like, oh, I used to have a good time playing this game. I'm going to run Miller Throw playing. Wow, that thing was challenging to run. Boy, those rules are kind of hefty. Yeah, we had a hell of a good time. And we're done with that for now. I don't need any more chocolate cake. I'll eat something else. Yeah, I think if you're running AD&D, and I, like if you're comparing AD&D to Osric, like if you want to play AD&D with your friends who've never played it before, somebody's played 5e, they've played 3rd edition, they have only played Savage Worlds, they've played something different, I want to run this, and they would like to read the rules and understand them and be able to say, I don't understand, why, how does this class work? If they read the Osric layout, they will understand it easier than giving them the first edition AD&D guy guys written rules more convoluted more complicated this is much more straightforward to read so from a <clears throat> from that perspective and referencing how things function and so forth it's just it's an easier it's an easier read it would appear that you could run any of the old AD&D modules with OSR without having to convert stuff is that correct i exactly that's what i've done i use i use Osric I use my monster manuals and any adventures I choose to steal from directly from it. Wow. And even going to, well, converting, I guess it's relative James, but I mean, I've heard people just, you take an AD and D module and you run it. And when you get to a monster stat block, you look up in five E you use that stat block and there, now you've converted it to five E. Like I heard, it's very one for one. But if you run a first edition adventure, uh, I can't remember. Uh, Queen of Secret Queen, of Salt Marsh, Queen of Dean Web Pits, any of them. That's not first level. It's first edition. I said. Oh, I thought you said. But first if you run level. Sinister Secret of Salt Marsh or whatever that, yeah, any monster in there, any stat block, it just it works directly over. There's no reason to change it. So there you go. So when you say, are there any original modules specifically written for Osric? Yes. Is there specific modules? Oh, yeah. If you oh, go okay. on to uh, um, the Black Blade, Black Blade guys, Osric, on their Lulu, they do have it. Also, Fail Squad Games, uh, Lloyd Metcalf, um, who has been a guest at Evercon previously. He's out on the East Coast now. Lloyd's a great guy, and he runs Osric, and he writes games specifically for Osric. Gotcha. And if you go um, poke around out there, uh, you'll find other people who are writing Osric games, Osric Adventures. All uh, <clears throat> right. Uh, Edwin. That, yeah. Oh, so this is a guy who write, he publishes and writes for this. I know he does. Stuff, so. Edwin, once again, attempting to tackle a topic without a definition, eh? Good luck. Edwin, I hate you. Right. <laughs> Whatever, Edwin. Hey. Whatever, hey, dude. Hey, Edwin. Do it! <laughs> That's what we're going to do. I think it's important to realize that each of us has a different definition and view of the OSR, depending on where we sit and what we like. Boom. Edwin. Echoing there. the Kelmeister. There you go. Dude, it's still you're the Kelly. Thank God we had those glasses made. Shit, man. It also seems that many people's ideas have shifted over the years. Uh, it has be, it has been a term. You know, it's a term today, and it, it shifts. It's how it works in the parlance. It changes. Currently, I mostly hear it used to talk about D&D-esque games, particularly ones that are similar to editions before and after fourth. However, the term has encompassed other old and not necessarily fantasy games for their uh, and their offspring. 
Some claim this, uh, it's about style of play, and in my experience, each person defines a style of play that OSR embodies as a style that they enjoy. Is a good time to discuss avoiding gatekeeping and promoting inclusivity. I hope this goes well for you. And yeah. goddamn, those last two lines, Edwin, you nailed it, Brian. Yeah, see, I <clears throat> man, uh, Edwin is is a representative in in the best light of, and he writes this stuff. He's written for the Midlands. Oh yeah, and Frog God Games, and he's not going to be standing there at the gate going, "Hey, man." This isn't how this shit rolls. Though we got in a bind a couple, two years ago. Who did? Game, we did at GameOcon. Did had you some, throw down? Well, a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so we cool. had we had a, one of our game masters was going to run a game under our gaming and BS oh. banner. Wasn't able to make it. Right. And the game didn't get canceled in time. We had a table full of like six people. And they're all looking to play this game. We know who it was. Yeah. And I went, oh, fuck. <laughs> and Edwin looked at me and goes, I'll run. I can run anything, man. So I went over and I and with Edwin and we said, "Hey, we're looking to get you a game master." I gave them some gaming BS tchotchkes to say, "Hey, thank you." What are you guys looking? What well, we wanted to play this game? It was a fantasy, fantasy style game. And Edwin said, "Have you played Swords and Wizardry?" Yeah. And he said, "No, but we'd like to try it." Are you sure? You don't have to. We could find something else. No, this sounds great. He sat down and boom, and everybody at that table, at I checked in, having a great time, laughing, hooting, hollering. And I saw people, I would, hey, really sorry about that Game Master thing. How'd it go? No, that guy, that that Ed dude, he was a great Game Master. It was really cool. We had a lot of fun. He brought an OSL style, OSR type game to a group of people who did not sign up for an OSR fantasy game, and they enjoyed it. There were men there, there were women there, everything, it just worked. Because one, Edwin's a damn good Game Master. But <clears throat> two, I think I think he's dead right. And he and I have talked about this last couple of times he's been at Game Hole is the the gatekeeping aspects of it, as we said earlier, that's just absolute fucking bullshit has to go and uh, bring people in. There's there's no reason not to. No, and it's usually these old bastards that have nothing else better to do than to hold on to what dear life they have on this OSR piece. And it, it just doesn't need to be that way. Like, nobody's going to steal their shit. No. It, it, Unless I was a thief of about seventh level and I've got pickpockets at about 65%. Well, then that, well, that's just barely better than 50. I wait till you're about eighth and ninth level. Man. That's true. Good point, man. Anyway, it's, it's yeah. good. I mean, this, Edwin, very good points. And I think uh, Edwin echoed a lot of what we had to say, too. So pretty cool. Yeah, we you need people to grasp this shit so they love the same stuff you do. There's nothing wrong with that. No, you're, you're a fan of something. That's really yeah. cool. You're not right. exactly a fan of it the same way I am. I don't care. Right. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Keep having fun. Angela Murray. Angela, I missed you. Since there's been some controversy in the OSR arena, huh? I was wondering if you could touch upon that. Lots of great folks play OSR games, but there's been a segment that's been hostile to inclusiveness. It got so bad. Now, here's the here's where the Pandora's box opens. It got so bad that Stuart Robertson, the designer of the most commonly seen OSR logo, put out a statement on Twitter limiting the use of the logo, especially if designers are publishing harassing or hateful material. I'd love to get your take on this. So, if you would love it, then I will provide it. So, I think in to get an update on this, so Stuart completely removed the logo. Am I correct? So, Stuart Robertson, if you're not familiar with the logo we're talking about, I don't. I think... Don't know if I can use it. I think I can 
in good faith. I can use it and put it in the uh, well, if chap- you remember, chapter if, marker. If you looked at some of the old, if you listen to us, if you've ever listened to Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. Right. That blue, that classic blue dungeon look. Right. It's the mm-hmm. OSR cascading. Yes. With a grid in it. And it, it represents the old, it is a take off the old TSR logo, mm-hmm. but blue because the old maps used to be blue. And then he puts a couple doors in there. Yep. And the grid. So Stuart's like, hey, you know, I released it on Creative Commons Attribution 3.0, unported, license, uh, which meant anyone was free to use the logo on their work as long as they mentioned him in the credits and or got his permission to publish without his name. And the logo has appeared on hundreds of products and blogs over the years. And I'll read this verbatim. <clears throat> this is from Stuart. So Do it, I'm not embellishing. This, no, is, this is from the horse's mouth. Lately, I've become increasingly concerned with content published alongside the OSR logo that is harassing towards members of our community, including women, LGBT+, uh, plus, and ethnic slash religious minorities. I strongly object to this and do not wish my artwork and by extension myself to be associated with hateful content of this nature. Creative Commons license includes, uh, licenses include this provision. And he goes on, I'm not going to get into like the Canadian copyright or any of that stuff. Essentially, what he says also is this means, among other things, that you are not permitted to use the OSR logo on your website, books, or other publications if you are publishing material that would be considered hate speech under the Criminal Code of Canada. For those in other countries, Canada, where I live and my work is published, prohibits hate speech directed towards people based on color, race, religion, ethnic origin, or sexual orientation, gender identity or expression, or mental or physical disability. So that's a wide breadth of coverage there. You are not permitted to use the OSR logo and publish hate speech or harass other members of our community. Okay. Now that's a different paragraph. I don't, okay, so he's stating that, stipulating that, nothing wrong with that. Uh, Thanks to everyone who is using the OSR logo and publishing fun things for everyone, for the small number of people publishing abusive or offensive content, these restrictions on the use of the OSR logo means you are infringing on my copyright and I'm requesting that you stop immediately. Okay. If someone is concerned about a particular publication that includes my logo, please let me know. Thanks, everyone. Feel free to share this message with others. So he gives us permission to share that. I did ask Stuart if he would like to be on the show, um, that we were going to talk about it. I was. I think I said we were going to talk about the OSR, and if you'd be willing to come on the show to, to comment, and Stuart's kind of, you know, at this point, he got a lot of flack for pulling his logo. Yes, he did. Tons of flack. A lot of flack. The flack he got was, and somebody would be like, well, I don't understand. What flack could he possibly get? It seems rather reasonable and rational to some people, um, including yours truly. Some looked at it as, well, who is infringing upon this? Point it out. Call him out. I want to know. Well, it wasn't necessarily somebody's product per se. It was something that they said online. I'm not going to give get into details about that. Um, and I apologize for not going into details. But my take is you if you want trolls to grow and get bigger, you feed them. And I don't want to feed trolls. So that's my that's my take on that. Well, I mean, the short version of it is Stuart <clears throat> Robertson built a thing, 
Yep. It's within the license and it's within his right to say, please don't do this. And if people are upset about that, I'm like, I don't know why you're upset. It is a free logo that he's allowed you to use for years, damn near a decade, I think. Um, and yeah, he said, please, please don't do this. And if you're insistent that you have to produce stuff or be this way, if you have to not be inclusive, you have to be harassing and you have to be hateful. What the fuck are you in my hobby for? Why are you doing that? You know, now there are volatile online channels about virtuous virtue signaling and yada, yada, and, and whether he has the right to do it or not, or any of this stuff and all the discussion that goes on. I don't want to get into that because people are going to start trolling us and, you know, whatever. But here's the deal. So Angela broached the subject and we want to address it. Where if, so some people think that free speech there, there is an inherent free speech about this. Like, well, you know, I should be entitled to say whatever I want. Yep, you can. You can also have backlash by saying whatever you want, like yelling fire in a crowded theater. Free, free speech does not mean freedom from repercussions or consequences of your free speech. I'm not a free speech First Amendment attorney, but just because you can say whatever you want doesn't mean it comes without repercussions people who treat my buddy troy like shit because he's black i i tend not to like them very much right that's a I don't, repercussion don't, i don't yeah, deal we with, don't i do not to, deal with you or hang out right. with you if you're that way we don't have to we don't have to put up with it we don't have no. to right so, okay so having said that um so Stuart, i mentioned humbly declined and he's kind of like hey i'm done putting up with this stuff i'm gonna move on there's other logos that are coming up fine and dandy one of the reasons I brought this topic up was did stem from this particular kind of uh, logo component of what was going on with Stuart and his stance, but also with the the well, okay. So, so Stuart aside, right? Well, it's it's odd who, that who, who is like the like how does anybody determine what is OSR again? It, yeah, and it's kind of it goes right to the gatekeeping pieces, like well. I should, have probably, to, probably, I have, should have probably led with this, but I have to use this logo because this logo lets people know I'm part of this group. And it was wonderful that Stuart or anybody has a logo to say, hey, this is a style. It's a thing. This would make if you like this type of thing, look at this. You know, if you like horror games, I put a Cthulhu head on my as a logo. Hey, it looks like this. It might be kind of in that space. But it, <laughs> if you're like, well, I, I need to use that logo because the crap I want to spew, I want to make sure people know that that's OSR. That doesn't make sense to me. Why isn't it classic playing? Like cl- classic, like compatible with classic games? Or why isn't it called classic gaming? Or classic... We, people have, we, we like to group stuff. We like to name groups and put things in, in bunches and you know categorize and so forth. And I think there are people that like to, in any in any hobby, like to grab onto a thing and stake an ownership or stake a claim of some kind. And that's fine. You can do that. I think you're an ass because you staked a claim around this type of mentality. 
I don't agree with you in any way, shape, or form. Go enjoy that somewhere else. But I want to use this logo. The guy who owns it said you can't. Well, yeah, but I have a right to. No, you don't. You don't. Please fuck off. I mean, go go make your own logo then. Why why do you have to use his if you want your own thing? Yeah, they can still own. stamp it themselves and, hey, whatever. Now, somebody may be like, if I'm going to go and get a product and it doesn't have Stuart's logo on it, does it mean that there's something wrong with that product? So that is, and I think that's, without Stuart being here, I, I have to assume. But if I had made a, if I had made a logo and well, it's out there yep. and I didn't want certain people to use it, and I would see some products that were really cool with my logo on it and people are buying it and this other product comes out, and they associate the logo with the thing. And that's the danger, right? And that's one of the reasons why a logo for a movement, a logo for an entire thing, is very difficult. Yeah. If TSR had a logo, Wizards of the Coast has a logo, Dungeons and Dragons has a logo, Magic they, Gathering has a logo they for have their rights. own branding. Yeah, it's usually trademarked. Yeah, but when you're taking a large thing and you're going to put that cattle brand on everything that could possibly be within this space – you're going to land that brand on some real crap and some bad influences and some people that probably are not necessarily the type of people you'd want to associate with. And it's it's difficult. It's difficult well, to do that. And I think it's yeah. kind of things things have grown within the OSR space and desires for ownership and, and and to be inclusive and to stop inclusivity and to do all this horseshit because of certain small dick big keyboard type of people. I, you know, it's unfortunate that it that it happened, but you know, it's within Stewart's rights to, it's his stuff, right? Yeah, I agree. It's you. It is hard to come up with a logo for some type of, some type of. Uh, it's like saying soda, and then Pepsi uses it, and Coke uses it, and so right, forth. Right. And the fact that Stewart put something out that was so for loco. Yeah. That. that <laughs> yeah. But soda. the fact that well, the fact is it? I don't that, know. But Stuart was able to make a thing that spoke to a lot of people across lots of different platforms. It was a really clever. It was a very good logo. Very good logo. Yeah. It was really fucking awesome. It encompassed what it really, yeah. Yeah, yeah the the spirit. And it was really, really cool. And it, it's a shame that it came down to this. But frankly, I, I think it's within Stuart's rights and I support him doing it. It makes sense. I, I, can't, I can't see no fault in him doing what he did. So, Angela... I hope that that um, we addressed what you brought to the table. Cool. Hope we didn't. We did. Hope we didn't skirt the issue. No, and we've talked about this a little bit before, and we talked about inclusivity a number of uh, episodes back. Um, where we, we've talked about that and yeah. publishing purposefully hateful, harassing stuff, stuff that's meant to um, hurt people or dehumanize a group of people, whatever. It's just, I don't, I don't get it. It just it seems the cheapest, schlockiest of crap. I just don't get it. Well, I don't, anyway, I don't think it's, I, I, yeah, I agree, Brett. And I don't think it's worth it. Like, I think there is a, there is a boned, there's, there's some people for whatever reason that's out there that they have a bone to pick. And this is political affiliation aside like it comes yeah. from all aspects like Brett and I have talked about this off the mics quite extensively mm -hmm. um and it's even infighting 
like even no matter what side of the spectrum on it's like it, it gets kooky and crazy and we just want and there's a lot of people that are talking about they just want a game and keep politics out of their game and that's kind of their stance whatever um God, I don't know what kind of rat hole I'm going down here. No, it's goofy because we want to – I just want a game. I don't want to deal with this stuff. I, I appreciate that. I really do. And I think the unfortunate piece is that if I create a thing that causes a kerfuffle or a huckabuck or some kind of a Donnybrook online where people are crabby about stuff – those are all euphemisms for fight, you young kids um, – it, it doesn't <clears> – <throat> It's like, I don't know. I, I just, I don't get it. And I, I can, I can totally game. I'm telling you, man, there's, there's fuckers out there. I can totally game. I don't game drop with, that F-bomb often, ladies and gentlemen, but there are fuckers out there that love to just piss people off. Yes. That's like. They fun. really do. Like, it's just what they live to do online. It's freaking crazy. Like, go. That somebody out there just wants to piss in your Cheerios just because it's fun for them. It is. It's so weird. Like I could give a rat's ass. Yeah, and that's that's why part of the reason I said at the top of the show is like you've got to find the stuff that's positive and, and ignore these and ignore this shit. Yeah. And if you find out unfortunately that oh this person, this company, this group or whatever it is, um produces stuff I can't stand, the easiest way to keep the politics out of your games is when you see crap, just don't deal. Done. When somebody is creating a thing and you're like, oh, but this person also happens to be a complete utter nutbag. This person is also um, doing horrible things with the money that they're given by by making this or they, the the products they make, blah, blah, blah. You know, I so know. Part, it's, it's so not part that of you, me, sorry. So part, so part of me in this OSR discussion, also I'm left scratching my head going, well, why does why does anything have to be OSR? Can it just stand on its own? Can it, totally it, can it can it just be a game? Can it be just, hey, what game do you like? I play Swords and Wizardry. Oh, tell me about that. Well, it's got ascending or descending armor class. Oh, I, what's armor class? Oh, let me tell you. Well, I think oh, it goes back AD&D? to it well, goes back like those this. four principles. It, those are just principles of an approach. If you said, hey, it kind of fits Matt Finch's old school primer approach. Right. Right. Maybe it, they should <clears> just do that. I don't oh, know, old school primer. It is goofy where we Based want to off the principles of the old school primer. It's interesting Boom, because done. No you, logo, yeah. just state it on if the back you, of your fucking book. There are some gamers I've met that like I I'm a story gamer. I'm like, so what does that mean? Yeah, what is I've, that? I've yet mean? to actually see I've yet to personally experience any role playing game that's actually a story game. There's a game about a story. Oh shit. I, I've never you know. <laughs> so so right there. This Brett is a fu- at gamingnbs.com. So this is a weird argument, right? So we can have this argument, but I'm like, I look at these codifications and these classifications that, that gamers try to put out there simply it's not saying- punk rock. It's yeah. not heavy metal. It's like Icelandic heavy it's, metal. It's progressive metal, man. Right. It's prog rock. Right. right. You, it's prog rock. If you grab Maynard James Keenan from Tool, he'd be like, what the fuck ever? I'm making music piss off. Right. Right. Uh, no. What, what's Pussifier? Well, Maynard would say, you don't fucking get it. Go away. Right. Right. Is it speed metal or thrash metal? Go to hell. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Brett. It's just music. <laughs> wank, wank, wank. Exactly. Wank. And that's where, when you said this, the trolls get stronger when you feed them. That's right. So many aspects of it. Do you like, what game do you like? 
Oh, what's oil, that? oil and fire. And if someone says, well, I like OSR games, you say, well, give me a game. Not OSR games. What do you like? I like swords and wizardry. Really? Do you like it because ascending armor class or descending? Or how do you like this, that, or the other thing? I think that's a more lucrative form of discussion than this unclear <laughs> theoretical approach <laughs> by classification. Anyway. Anyway, Ange, hopefully we cover that for you. I hope. If we missed, if we totally missed it, let us know. We got one more. All right, Ryan Butler. Actually. Uh, Bueller, Bueller, sorry. I can read this one. You sure? Okay. Hello from a fellow Midwesterner. Thanks again for making a great show. I discovered this a few years ago. Figured to take the next step and write in on this OSR topic. I think the midlife crisis the OSR community seems to be having these days with trying to define itself is pretty common with any growing fandom. Back in 2002, it was... Uh, I was a big Apple fanboy and landed a job at the first Apple store in St. Louis. There were barely 20 of us at first, and the store was rarely ever crowded. For the next eight years, until I finally left in 2010, I watched Apple grow into what it is today. I watched the iPod and iPhone revolutionize product and company I was personally invested in and thrust it into the mainstream. We all thought it was what we wanted for Apple until it finally happened. I learned a valuable lesson about fandoms from that experience, and that is that you can't control how they grow and evolve. Another great example is is Star Wars, and uh, we all know what happened there. I say this to make a point. Fandoms and communities like the OSR cannot truly be defined because it grows in popularity and will naturally change and evolve. Sure, we can explain its roots, but we don't ever, we won't ever be able to nail it down into one shape that everyone accepts as its true form. And that's not bad. It's growing because a lot of the products being produced for it are new and exciting. They challenge the landscape of RPGs in a good way. It makes lots of people want to be part of that. Like it was for me at Apple. I can understand that this is hard for some of the originators of the OSR to watch. A 50-year-old player who was there when D&D first hit the tabletops of America doesn't always want to watch some 20-something-year-old define the OSR in their way. Change does suck sometimes, but it's pointless to try and stop it. It's never as bad as we think it is. Instead of trying to define a growing subsection of gaming of the gaming world, we'd be better off redefining the spirit of gaming as a whole. It should be 100% inclusive and creative outlet for anyone who wants to embrace it. When I need inspiration for doing this, I always turn to my kids. When I, when I run a game for them, they don't ask if it's OD&D or BX or PBTA or Grandma's Homebrew. All they ask is, what happens next? That's all I got. Thanks again for a great show and keep up the good work. We should just leave it at that. We should, man. That's perfect. Just Thank you, Ryan. That. that was yep. very good. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, everybody who wrote in, saw like, hey, oh, they're going to talk about this. I'm going to comment. I'm going to throw this into the ring. Yeah. It's good stuff. It was very good. It was a good conversation. Yeah. We went long, but hey, it's good stuff. Let's let's bust through die roll and get out of here. Man. Yeah, let's get into die roll if I can freaking find the sound where it is all right suckas go ahead Bradster. so i'm i've got the link to matt colville's the map is not the territory that's the one i have i've got that video out there so folks can check that out sean what do you have i got a list of osr aka D retro clones actually there's a little bit more than that uh, thanks to Taxidermic Owlbear's blog. I just Googled it and found out, and there's just a list of them. If you want to know a lot of different games, some of them are free, some you have to pay for, but check out a list of those because they go on and on, and some probably aren't even listed there. Uh, a, l- a link to Osric, which is a free copy of first edition AD&D, better organized, and Brett's 
kind of game of old school choice. Would that be fair to say, Brett? I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, Matt Finch's quick primer uh, for old school gaming. That primer is, is about 16 pages long. I just pulled up my copy. It's Is it that much? Yeah, it's a quick read. And the last... Yeah. I think the last third of it is examples of play. <laughs> it's pretty quick. It's Somebody pretty quick. actually brought that up. Somebody actually said, "Hey, why don't you do an encounter and you know, you guys play an encounter, one kind of not OSR and then one OSR." Which we could do later down the road. We could absolutely do that, yeah. You know, something like that. Um, so yes, that's what we have for the show. Thanks for sticking out with us. Uh Comments are certainly coming. I mean, we feel a lot up front, but if you have more that we didn't hit and nail, uh, let us know. Um, be more than happy to field some of those. Absolutely. So, Brett, what are we talking about next week? Uh, next week, you told me you want to talk about seafaring adventures. I'm starting to put some topics down, ladies Damn. and gentlemen, so that Brett's like, can't, he can't say it. I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Yeah, he's just... Hold my feet to the fire is what he's so doing. Brett's got to put some down, or Sean's going to run away with this train. Yeah. Hey, oh, train. It's my train. Train. And with that, I'm your host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game, y'all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Andy Hall, Joe Swick, Brett's biggest fan, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti. Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs, Wayne Humphleet, James Carpio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Brandon Barnes, Dan LaValley, C.W. Mellencamp, The Lost Sailor, Misdirected Mark Productions, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Alexander Auerbach, Neil Benson, Chris Steele, Eric Hoffman, Kyle Winter, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Mark Tasaka, Ron Bishop, Craig Hubier, Xavier G, JV, John Hammersley, The Closet Gamer, John Steve, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Chad Glayman, Sky, Roger Brasslett, Craig, Howard Bishop, Jim Fitzpatrick, Peter Skeins, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Eli Kurtz, Bruce Cunnington, Tim Shorts, Angus, Roll for Guild, Gordon Cranford, Eric Salzweedle, Matt Cyberlick, Jack Neller, Robert Nemeth, Eric Bonds, Palladian, Ron Blessing, Brian Kurtz, Knights of the Night Crew, Laramie Wall, Evan Harrison Cass, Malcolm Cool, Blake Ryan, Todd McGowan, Kevin Lovecraft, Perry Besor, Ray Otis, Goblin's Henchman, Joe Bennett, Larry Hout, and Mark CMG Clover. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.